The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics And welcome to another episode of Politrix. I'm Big Merce. I have Odie with me today. Boo will be joining us shortly. So we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. Odie, uh, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. So yesterday was actually Veterans Day, but today it is also being observed. Um, so shout out to the ones, our listeners who have served or have family who have served in the, in the military. Um, and we thank you for your service. I'm not, like, the most patriotic of people, but I do recognize the fact that some people, you know, have willingly sacrificed their social lives, their actual lives, um, you know, or at least risked it um, to serve this country for whatever reason drove them in the first place. I know, like, generations before us, it's so crazy, like, to watch American history kind of, like, transition over time, you know, because when you think of, like, World War One, World War Two, that era, it was all about, like, dying for your country and, like, being a man, you know? Like, it was very hyper-masculine. I don't know how else to put it. Um, <laughs> now, this generation is, you know, we're pretty much, most of us are all for self or, you know, you might have people that serve for different reasons, for um, so, so they can have their education paid for or have their uh, health benefits paid for. And I won't go there. But we thank you for your service nonetheless. Um, we know that the system is flawed, and yet you, you've chosen to serve anyway. Um, and I also think Google Doodles, do you ever look at Google Doodles, like whenever you go to Google.com and just get ready to sign in and see what they're recognizing for the day? Every now and then, I'll, it'll catch my eye. So today's Google Doodle was really special. I don't know, like, how that is marketed or, like, whose brainchild that is, but it was beautiful. They had, like, different people from the service um, interviewing each other. One guy was interviewed by his father. Um, I can't remember what branch of service he was in, but one guy was interviewed by his father, um, there was there was a military pair um, from the army, and I forgot what war they served in, but it was basically um, two men, and one was talking about how the other one saved his life, um, and how to this day he always remembers hearing his voice, and how he saved him from the Humvee that exploded um, on duty one day. Uh, another. They they focused on the Navy, the Marines. It was it was just really interesting, especially to hear from other people's perspectives and their firsthand accounts of what it was like to be in the military. There was a World War One veteran who talked about how he couldn't wait to serve and how he basically like bogarted his mom into signing off on the papers. He was seventeen at the time, so he needed her permission to sign off, and he was like, "Mom, I need you to sign off. Like, ain't shit you can do about it. Sign." And he thought he recalled what happened um, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And 
There was also a lady who was a black woman. She was 103 years old, and she was talking about her service in the Coast Guard. So it's definitely, definitely some interesting perspectives. And just overall, shout out to to our veterans that do listen. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be an asshole about it later, but, you know, definitely thank you for your service. And um, <laughs> I know that's not a, a great way to, to segue after your, uh, after your segment, but, yeah, I, I, I didn't get a chance to put up my notes for the show, but if you saw them, you would probably be shaking your head right now, like, I can't believe you're going to say this part of it, but I am. But um, I got a couple of quick hits before we continue. Uh, a story came on my desk just before the show. Uh, a black security guard who prevented a mass shooting was shot and killed by the cops because the cops thought that he was a perpetrator, which is just absolutely... I, I can't even say it's ridiculous anymore because it just happens so often now, you know? And it's, it's horrible that this sort of thing is being normalized but basically an armed security guard at a, uh, a bar called uh, Manny's, uh, Manny's Blue Room Bar. Hold on a second here. Let me see if I can't shut these notifications off. Uh, Blenny, uh, Manny's Blue Room Bar in Robbins, Illinois, uh, where he was attacked by a gun-wielding man who witnesses say had been kicked out of the bar earlier in the evening. Uh, his name is Roberson, sorry. Roberson returned fire on the man and managed to subdue him and pin him to the ground. However... When a Midlothian, Illinois police officer showed up on the scene, he opened fire and killed Roberson because he thought that Roberson was the true assailant. So even though people were shouting at him that he's a security guard, the cop ended up shooting him anyway. So I'm pretty sure we'll, they'll find out that he like smoked pot in eighth grade and that he deserved to die. We'll, they'll probably just, and I don't mean to be uh, so cynical, but, Hey, I'm just going by the numbers. History has made us that way. I, I'm I'm just going by the numbers, you know. It's basically how it's always been. So until we win more of these elections, it's the way it's going to be, you know. And also, uh, this is not political, but uh, Stan Lee passed away today. The Godfather of Imagination himself passed away at the age of 95. He'd been battling illnesses uh, pretty much all year. You know, the first article I read, yeah, the first article I read didn't even say how he died. And I'm like, he probably didn't have to because he was 95. Right. He probably died of 95, you know. But, um, you know, comics were a big part of my childhood and my adulthood. You know, I still enjoy reading comics. You know, I I, every now and then when I get a few extra bucks, I'll get uh, Marvel.com and, you know, read all the newer comics because I have all the older comics. <laughs> so uh, I've been collecting comics since I was a teenager. Just as I had a paper route and could afford to buy my own comics. So um, it was a big part of my childhood. And, you know, as you get older, all these things eventually get laid to rest. You know, all your, all your stars eventually pass on. So, you know, uh, Stanley, rest in peace. You made, uh, over the decades, you made a lot of people happy. So, but speaking of making people happy, um, let's talk about the midterms. We talked about it a little bit on, on Saturday, and um, we'll just go over the uh, 
some of the winners and losers from the midterm. So let's start with the winners. Uh, who won? Uh, women won. Uh, out of uh, women won a record, and this is just for the House, they won a record 84 out of 435 House seats. Now, that was from an article that was posted the day after, after the election. So I think that lead has actually widened since then because there were some runoff elections and, and stuff yeah. like that, including one in Arizona that just happened recently. So in uh, uh, minorities – actually one big two. So hold on. I got an article from USA Today. Uh, Democrat uh, Sharnice Davids of Kansas became the first Native American woman elected to the House, beating incumbent uh, Kevin Yoder in a district that includes part of Kansas City. Uh, Deborah Holland, another, and her name, I'm pretty sure I spelled her name wrong, or pronounced it wrong, but it's it's spelled H-A-A-L-A-N-D, uh, another Native American also won her seat in New Mexico's solidly Democratic 1st District. She will replace uh, Michelle Luan, uh, Michelle Luan Grissom, who was actually elected New Mexico's first Latina governor. Uh, Rashid uh, Talib, whose name I'm also pronouncing wrong, I apologize, a former Michigan state representative and a Muslim, cruised a victory in her race to represent parts of Detroit and its suburbs, and fellow Muslim uh, Ihan Omar, Minnesota's first Somali-American legislator, became the first woman of color from the state uh, elected to Congress. So there was also, I couldn't find the article, but uh, cause I don't remember her last name, uh, Danica, um, I apologize. I know that's not good, uh, <laughs> good journalism. But um, she is uh, first transgender to be elected to public office, and she beat a candidate who wrote a, uh, a bathroom bill for their state. So that was big. And um, also um, in, I think it was in Georgia, Jordan Davis, uh, the young man who was killed uh, by yeah. a guy, you know, like his mom won a, uh, I think it was a city council. He, he was the, to refresh everyone's memory, he was the one who was killed for his music being too loud. Yes. The guy who shot him tried to, to use Stand Your Ground because he claimed that there was a shotgun out uh, of the passenger side window. Of course, there was no weapon found. And uh, the judge was like, no. And then he ended up going to prison for it. But his mom won her election. So, so like I said, it was for women and minorities, it was, uh, it was, it was a big night, you know. A lot of diversity going on here. Also, the winners were the Democrats because they took back the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives is the branch that keeps checks over the president. So you can pretty much tell that there's going to be a lot of actual investigations, not like when you see on the cartoons where it's like, oh, we're looking for somebody. We'll, we'll probe this carpet. Oh, they're not here? Oh, I guess that they're not. I guess they were never going to be found. You know. Now we're going to get some real investigations. And now... Who's getting a, a leadership position? Maxine Waters. My favorite Maxine Waters meme is Maxine Waters just looking like Maxine Waters because she always has that look that's like, mm. And the caption was, hey, remember all that shit you was talking? <laughs> yep. So who's going to be pulling down Trump's uh, tax returns? Maxine Waters. 
And Donald Trump had the unmitigated gall to be like, well, you know, they're, they're very complicated. You know what? I'll Google it. I'll figure that shit out. It's numbers. It's not that hard. <laughs> exactly. But Donald Trump is already panicking. So he fires Jeff Sessions. He hires some goon, some sycophantic goon to be his uh, attorney general, who has no qualifications to be attorney general, by the way, which means that he's probably going to be uh, – they're probably going to challenge him because he's or- – because basically – the attorney general is basically, you're the lawyer for America. You're not the lawyer for the president. You understand? Right. And yeah. that's what Donald Trump doesn't understand. So when Jeff Sessions recused himself, that was actually the only good thing he ever did because he met with the Russian ambassador twice and then lied about it on the stand, which why he's not, you know, charged with perjury, I don't know, you know. But... um. Basically, uh, this guy who they, uh, he's basically just a goon for Donald Trump. So he's going to try his best to block any attempts by the House to obtain his tax records. Now, the one thing that I don't understand from Trump fans is that if Donald Trump is innocent, why does he just show his tax returns? Because there's stuff in there that could incriminate him. But zoom out. Zoom out. Zoom out. Sorry, yeah, I was just saying it might not be that that deep. It might not even be that much of a conspiracy. It might, might not be. As he's proclaiming to be. I mean, like um like a like uh I keep wanting to call him Aziz and sorry. Like Hassan and I says, there's not gonna be a line that just says 1040 Moscow. You know what I'm saying? But um, if there was going to be something about this whole collusion thing, it would have happened already. But Thank you. That's a, what I'm thinking. Like, what's the but, big deal about looking at these taxes? I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Well, but then again, the one thing that, that, that they can get him on is emoluments. Because, I mean, he breaks that emoluments clause all the time, you know. And that could be an impeachable offense if it's found out that he's directly making money from the presidency. Now, the one bad thing about the emoluments clause is that while it does say that you're not supposed to do that, it doesn't really lay down a punishment for it. Now, my, my, now my whole thing about impeachment, because all my friends were like, yep, better get that grill out because we're going to have an impeachment party. And I'm like, no, because to impeach a president, you need two-thirds of each house to agree to it, to vote on it. Like when Bill Clinton was impeached, the House actually voted to impeach Clinton, but the Senate, they couldn't get enough votes to impeach him in the Senate. So now with the Senate going deeper Republican, I mean, Democrats lost three seats, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, there's no way they'll get the, the Democrats on board. Because as horrible as Trump is, he still worth something to the Republicans. So you, so all these people who are now, uh, who were kissing his ass like Lindsey Graham and all of them, they're going to get something in return. That's the that's the whole thing. I mean, if Donald Trump was truly worthless, they would have thrown him under the bus already. But Donald Trump is still worth something. So that's why they still keep him around. Meaning, 
what I mean by that is that's the reason why if there's an impeachment vote, they will never uh, they'll never vote against them. But if they have charges against, like solid charges against Trump, then there's not much that they can do about that. Mm. So that's what they're probably going to be looking for. Mm. I mean, because like I said, impeachment is never going to happen. I don't push it past these people. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, worst comes to worst, Donald Trump is going to is going to finish his first term and then lose the election unless the Democrats fumble at the at the one yard lines like they're known for doing. So, oh, and and the last big winner, uh, progressives. Progressives actually won big in this election. Now, one progressive loss that stung was uh, Ben Jealous. Ben Jealous was running for, uh, hold on. Damn, I am terrible at taking notes. He was running for governor of, uh, hold on, I can look at it real quick. But they were analyzing why he lost. So he lost by about uh, eight or nine points in his race to become governor. And they were analyzing why he lost. I mean, you figure it like this. He ran a great race. Okay, and also um, all the issues that he was behind, the people of that state were behind him. So Medicare for all in his state was polling at like almost sixty percent. You know, minimum raising the minimum wage was polling at like fifty-five percent. So it's not like he was running on unpopular, uh, unpopular issues. His problem was he didn't have any money. Now, I know that's one thing that corporate Democrats harp about. They're like, well, we, we need this corporate money. No, you don't need corporate money. You need money, but you don't need corporate money. That's the thing. But in this case, it, it hurt him a lot. You figure his opponent raised uh, $9.4 million for his race. You know how much money Ben Jealous had? $380,000. So he had $380,000 against $9.4 million, and one of the things in the exit polls was that no one knew who he was because he wasn't able to get a lot of ads out there. Because someone like Beta O'Rourke, he was already a state politician. So Beta O'Rourke is a, um, uh, you know, he's in the House of Representatives for Texas. So people knew who he was. Andrew Gillum is... um, mayor of uh, Tallahassee, so people knew who he was. Ben Jealous had never run for public office before, so nobody knew who he was. And the fact that he barely had any money, that didn't help. But Ben Jealous is part of uh, our revolution, which is Bernie Sanders' crew. And all in all, they won 76 elections. So they lost their fair share of elections too, but they won 76 elections. So, and keep in mind, those elections run between city council all the way up to governor. Stacey Abrams is in our revolution. And our revolution works in hand with, um, uh, what you would call it, uh, the one that uh, Gent Uber does. But their whole thing is they don't take PAC money. So they don't take money from corporations or anything like that. They get their money either directly from the people or... That's it. <laughs> they don't do super PACs or PACs of any kind. So this way you know that when they're elected, they are going to 
Oh, Justice Democrats. That's it. It was just on the tip of my tongue. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is Justice Democrats. Stacey Abrams is our revolution. So even though they're different groups, they still like work together because they still have a common goal, which is getting money out of politics. You know. So those were uh, those were the winners, and then you had the losers of the election. And the biggest loser in the election right now is Donald Trump. Because you figure it like this, okay? Everybody was saying, well, the blue wave was just a, just a puddle. No, it really was a blue wave. But that blue wave hit a seawall called gerrymandering. Like, if you saw those maps for the Senate, horribly gerrymandered. You, there were, when it was all said and done, there were 9 million more votes for Democrats, and that's just for the Senate, than for Republicans. And yet, somehow, uh, Democrats lost three seats. So how is that possible without gerrymandering? Mm-hmm. You know. uh, so another loser, of course, was Senate Democrats, because... Of the gerrymandering, they lost three seats. So now Republicans have a deeper hold in the Senate, which means that a lot of these things are going to be stalemated. You know, I mean, if we had won the House and the Senate, like I said, we still wouldn't have the votes for impeachment, but we could get we could have gotten a lot of stuff done and been able to block a lot of Trump's uh, ridiculousness. We still can because these things have to pass the House and the Senate. So now that we have the majority in the House, Donald Trump's, I mean, I mean, unless we have a whole bunch of sellouts, is going to stop his mandate right in its tracks. And now Trump is unraveling like a, like a ball of yarn being attacked by a bunch of cats, and it's, it's sad to see. I almost feel bad for him to, to, to just see him unravel like that. Like reporters asking the question, these snaps like a rubber band. It's actually okay. It's not sad to see. It's actually pretty hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I got no sympathy for Donald Trump. He could quit at any time. Okay. It's like people are like, well, blue lives matter. It's like, dude, it's not your skin color. It's a uniform. You know, you chose to be a cop. So, but um. Another loser was corporate Democrats. The only real corporate Democrat who won his election comfortably was Joe Manchin. But a lot of other corporate Democrats, like uh, I had them written down, actually. Joe Donnelly lost his election. Claire McCaskill lost her election. Heidi Heitkamp lost her election. Phil Bredesen and uh, Bill Nelson all lost their elections, which was, which was bad. And, uh, but Joe Manchin, who I certainly thought was going to lose, actually ended up winning. Go figure. You figure the what worst was, of the bunch. What's his platform like? Who, uh, Joe Manchin? Yeah. Joe Manchin is basically, he doesn't really have a platform. He probably does, but, I mean, his whole thing is, you know, he's in West Virginia, so he feels like 
he has to side with Trump in order to uh, in order to win. You know. Now I will say one thing. Uh, he may not be wrong about that because I mean Trump won West Virginia by a lot, but at the same time Bernie Sanders was able to come in to West Virginia and uh, talk with the people and and connect with the people. Bernie Sanders won West Virginia in the Democratic primary. Bernie Sanders won West Virginia by a lot over Hillary Clinton. So it's a a weird state when it comes to that. But Joe Manchin is one of the people who broke with the Democrats and voted for uh, Brett Kavanaugh, which helped him get nominated. Brett Kavanaugh only had 50 votes. He is actually... That is actually the lowest vote total for a Supreme Court justice at 50 votes. The lowest. And 50 votes basically means that uh, the vice president would have to come in and break the tie. So I think there was one, and the only reason why he didn't have to do that, because I think there was one, uh, somebody that did a no-show. So there, was, so there wasn't 50 votes on the, on the other side. But Joe Manchin is just basically, you know, he's a piece of shit, and he won his election. So people oh no, on the, the moderate Democrats are like, well, we need Joe Manchin. Do we? Do we, though? And, then, and their logic is sound. They're like, well, at least we have, a, at least we have somebody who will vote with uh, Democrats uh, 50% of the time. Okay. <laughs> That's still 50% of the time Rather than 100% of the time with Trump I get that But it's still, it's still shitty You know That we have to kiss these people's ass When they should just be doing their, their normal duty Then just run as a goddamn Republican And let another Democrat come in And try and take that seat It's almost like he's taking someone's job Now I will say this Even though uh, As far as the losers go the Democratic House would lose if, if they re-elect Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. And my friends have been calling their been calling their senators, oh, you know, their representatives, and saying, please do not vote for Nancy for Nancy Pelosi. Already, already holding their ass accountable. Okay. Yeah. Gotta get Nancy Pelosi out of there because Nancy Pelosi. Is and she seems so frail, so weak, like a like a like a, a tulip in the rain, just wilting, just. Eh, 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 eh. I mean, I know Bernie Sanders is old, but Bernie Sanders still looks like he could whip some ass if he had to, you know. Elizabeth Warren's in her sixties, but she still got some energy. Nancy Pelosi just like eh, eh, bipartisanship, eh, ah. She gets on my goddamn nerves with that. There is people are on this whole kick now. Let's not breeze right since you brought Bernie up. Let's not breeze right over him. What did Bernie say that was potentially problematic this past week? You know, hold on. Did I did I get the quote? I got the quote. Hold on. Because I, I figured if we had time, we talk about it. But we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. So this is from the this is from uh, the intelligencer, who I think they got this from uh, another article, reliable source. And I was trying to find 
uh, one thing I hate about Young Turks on YouTube is that they don't put their videos in order because I was trying to find the other course that Bernie said in that same, uh, that same interview because basically they're already trying to get Bernie out of the way. And black Twitter has already been roasting Bernie Sanders about his statement. So here's, the, here's from the article. It says, and this is from the article, so bear with me. It says, so it was a setback on Thursday when the Daily Beast published an article quoting Sanders on the role of racism in Andrew Gillum's apparent defeat. Keep in mind that Andrew Gillum has uh, pulled back his um, concession, and they're waiting to count all the votes. So that's another story for another day. I wanted to talk about that today. I will talk about Andrew Gillum today, but not about that until it's done. But it says, um, so Bernie says, I think you know there are a lot of white folks out there who are not necessarily racist, who felt uncomfortable for the first time in their lives about whether or not they wanted to vote for an African-American. The senator said of the Florida's, the Florida governor's race. A small outcry ensued, accusing Sanders of evading the reality that opposing a black candidate out of discomfort with black leadership is, by definition, racist. So in that same article, uh, there were a couple other instances, because I was trying to find a Daily Beast article, and they just had that one clip in there, the one I just said. But there were two other instances where basically Bernie Sanders called a spade a spade. I know it's a bad choice of words, but he basically called it for what it was. So they just took the one where he just kind of parsed over it and just put it out there like, see, you know, Bernie is a, an apologist for racists, you know. But Bernie suffers from, I'm just going to call it Obamaism. And that's basically just thinking that these, uh, that these particular voters are going to change their minds. Oh, say again? That he can be rational with irrational people. Yeah. That makes sense and nonsense. Yeah. Um, I do think it's that, but I also think historically, based on how Bernie has, like you said, called the state of state, I think he would, I don't think he was necessarily trying to be or channel Obama in that instance where it's about being diplomatic. I mm -hmm. think he was being less, di less diplomatic and more political because he's like, okay, all right. Be, like, he knows that he won't get through to, like, the far-gone people. The people when Trump says that he can stand out in the middle of Times Square and, like, kill somebody. and Like, right. he's not talking to those people. He's talking about – he's talking to the straddlers. And what he's trying to do is appease to their, their reasoning. So it's like, okay, you know that telling people – or alienating people has not worked. And that's what the Democrats have done wrong consistently. They, you know, you tell people that they're deplorable or whatever by supporting Trump, they dig their heels in more and go further to the right. I think he's trying to coax them over in a gentle way by saying, oh, no, you're not necessarily racist, instead of, like, saying, oh, you're such a horrible person, oh, like, I do think he was he was being strategic in that way, especially considering what he said in the past. Right. I right. think that's what he's doing. He's trying to coax them over gently instead of, like, scaring them away and then pushing them further to the right. Right. And, and I definitely like, agree with that. But, but yeah, but, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you on that, but I don't think it's going to work. Because no, absolutely not. Yeah. 
And that's what that's they've done is just chosen not to vote instead. The people who are undecided or battling their conscience for whatever reason, which I don't understand how you could, like, really, like, like how your conscience would still tell you not to vote rather than vote at all. But those people who are somehow struggling with any decision-making with politics as it relates to politics, those people are the ones that are not voting at all. And you just can't make people more comfortable with the idea of voting. If you have, but if you ultimately, if you have a candidate who is more than qualified on paper, but then you see them and you don't want to vote for them, then you are racist, like period. Like that's why I think like you should just, we should just be voting. It shouldn't be a popularity contest. It really should just be okay, let's look at these people's resumes and let's see who we want to call in for for an interview. Yeah. Candidate A believes in X, Y, and Z. You take a test based on your beliefs and what's important to you. The piece of paper tells you go vote for these people and you vote based on that. They're not real names. It's just like, all right, you just got these anonymous people on the ballot. Like that's how we should, that's how the future looks to me. Because people judging on names, they judging on your skin color. I ain't got time for that shit. You call them all John Doe, John Doe one, John Doe two, John Doe three. And then just put, and, and then just put up their platform and just vote for that person instead of you yeah, know. That's it. Well, you think that that happens all the time, and and not in that instance, but when people go out in the street, you know, like in uh, like talk about reporters and journalists and stuff like that. And they talk to the people. When they say Obamacare, people yep. automatically are against it. But if you just say, if you don't mention Obama's name and you just talk about all the stuff that's in the patient protections and stuff like that, people are, oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's Obamacare. So why did you hate it just because it had Obama's name on it when if I told it to you without Obama's name, you love it? Because they're like, they're programmed like goddamn circus seals. Exactly. You know? It, it doesn't really make any sense. They had, they were t- I was watching the majority report, and they were talking about Meghan McCain and Michael Brooks. <laughs> he just has no, he just has no, no chill. He basically just called you know, Meghan McCain. He just called her what she was, really, like the most useless human being on the planet. You know, because she's somebody who basically has everything handed to her. She's never had to work a day in her life. And she basically just had wealth handed to her, and, and according to Michael Brooks, he had she had her wealth handed to her, and she had her career handed to her. Okay, because she's because she's not good at what she does. So if she if she wasn't who she was, she would never have a job on the View. They would get somebody who's better. If they need a Republican voice on that show, there are a lot of people who are better than Meghan McCain. Meghan McCain just got the job because she's Meghan McCain. You know. But basically, Meghan McCain was basically saying what we're all thinking. All these Republicans are never going to vote against their own interests. You understand? But the problem is their interests are ridiculous because it's not like they're voting for something that's going to help their families. They're either voting for racism or they're voting so that rich people can protect their wealth. But what they're voting for, their quote-unquote interests, as Meghan McCain put it, is not helping them. Because their wages are still going to be going down. Their, uh, their taxes are still going to be going up once these tax cuts uh, diminish. You understand? 
they're gonna uh, you figure somebody somebody tweeted this they were like Florida is five feet above sea level and they voted for a governor who doesn't believe in climate change so what do you think is gonna happen to Florida in ten years if we don't fight climate change half of Florida is gonna be gone is gonna be practically be underwater and that's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. The scientists are saying this every day. And these people aren't doing anything about it. But he's right. I mean, well, Megan is right. She basically just, you know, just explained the code to everybody. These Republicans are never going to vote Democrat. They're never going to vote against what they feel are their own self-interest. They're just going to keep on voting Republican until they die, whether that's sooner or whether that's later. So why are we trying to court these people? So do I think that Bernie Sanders was wrong for what he said? Yes and no. I mean, yes, he's trying to not, like you said, not alienate these people that maybe they may flip, but I don't think they're going to flip. It's it's, It's like the song goes, do you really feel that love is going to save the world? I sure hope so. But I don't think so. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I hate to be one of my friends who was getting on my case about me not voting. And like I said, that's more of a personal thing between us. But, you know, he said, whatever happened to the nurse who thought that we could, uh, you know, we can, we can find our common goals. And, you know, and I'm like, you know what that nurse is? He's dead. He has his throat cut in a ditch with maggots eating his eyes because for a second he thought that Republicans were decent human beings. So this whole thing about, yeah, Republic, if we just, you know, talk nice to them and no, that's never going to happen. So I appreciate Bernie for being that guy because I can't be that guy. But at the same time, it's never going to work. You, if you put it like this, Nine million more votes just for the Senate we had against the Republicans. If it wasn't for gerrymandering, we probably would have either taken, we probably either would have taken the Senate or uh, won back more seats because we were we were already playing defense because we had more seats to defend than they did. So we had more of our incumbents up for re-election than they did in this particular election. So it was an uphill battle from the start to take back the Senate. But we would have had a much better chance without the gerrymandering because we had almost 10 million more people voting Democrat. So if, they, if the Democrats repair their base, they'd be unstoppable. But if we elect Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House, so she can go up there, um, um, eh, bipartisanship. <coughs> Shut the fuck up, Nancy. No one's trying to hear that shit. It's time for war. It's not time for peace because we don't have what we need, not even what we want. What I want, like, I feel like Daffy Duck, what do I want? I want a trip to Europe. No, what we need is health care. What we need is better funded education. We don't need a wall. Fuck a wall. Most, of, most people who come in illegally come in by plane. So I don't know. That's a whole, that's a whole other matter altogether. 
But I, I, I look at it like this, right? I'll give you a perfect example. Do you watch Saturday Night Live? Hold on. I watch the highlights. I've actually, what about you, Blue? You watch Saturday Night Live? Okay. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Contra for life. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. I watch um I watch on occasion depending on who the um either who's gonna be the um actor or the um musical guest. Um I haven't really watched a full one in a while though. This ain't the same Saturday Night Live I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. You know it's funny on Hulu. They have, like, the first 10 seasons of Saturday Night Live. And then they have, like, from season, like, 30 until the current season. So I've been watching them kind of backwards, and I basically just watch, like, the opening skit, and then I watch um, Weekend Update. So I love Weekend Update. And then if, I'll watch the skits after that until they, until they stop being funny, you know. But I, I, it's been a while since I've watched the entire Saturday Night Live, you know. But they do, they do have some good stuff on there. But Weekend Update is my favorite. I watch, I've been watching every single one, and right now it's with Colin Jost and, and Michael Che, right? So I've been going backwards. And uh, every now and then, Pete Davidson will be on there. And he's this tall, skinny, goofy, white guy. I love him. I, he's, he's, he, I, I think he's pretty funny. But because um, he's also a stand-up comedian, and he's a, he's a regular on the show. But last week, he, he, he did a skit called uh, First Impressions. And it's where he basically, they just have a whole bunch of, like, uh, different people, and then he just cracks on them. It's not, it's, it's pretty basic, but it's still pretty funny. Like, he talked about uh, Donald Trump Jr., and he was like, you know, his hair screams 1985, and his face screams, put the lotion in the basket. But, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That made me laugh because he really does look like a serial killer. But um, in his first impressions uh, last week, he talked about a guy named Dan Crenshaw. Now, Dan Crenshaw was, uh, he's a politician. As a matter of fact, he just got elected into the Senate. No, I'm sorry, for the, um, into the, uh, under the House for, uh, for Texas, right? Uh, Dan Crenshaw has an eye patch because he was in uh, Afghanistan. And on his third tour of duty, uh, uh, a bomb uh, went off and he lost his eye. So he wears an eye patch. And um, Pete Davidson basically said that he looks like a um, he looks like a hitman in a porno movie. I did hear something about this joke. Yeah. Yeah, and of course Republicans lost their minds, and they were just mad, and they're like, "Oh, I can't believe you cracked with a veteran and all this other bullshit." And I'm going to put that in context in a minute. But on last week, Saturday Night Live. they had uh, Dan Crenshaw on the show. So they, let, they put up a picture of Pete Davidson, and then they let Dan Crenshaw tell some jokes about Pete Davidson, and Pete Davidson apologized to him, and they shook hands, and they had this whole kumbaya moment. And I just thought it was absolutely sickening. And here's the thing, okay? If you, for, Pete, for Dan Crenshaw and his military service, you know, I can't, as, they, as the rappers used to say back in the 90s, I can't fade them, you know. Because remember one thing, this is a volunteer army. There's no draft. 
So if you join the military, it's not because you were drafted. It's because you want to. Okay? And um, I respect that because I'm not going. You know, I'm not going to the military. I'll shoot the hell out of you in Overwatch. In real life, no, I don't do guns like that. You know? But if you take away Dan Crenshaw's military, his, his stellar military service, he is nothing more than a Tea Party douchebag. Okay? And the other thing that pisses me off is why is Pete Davidson being held to a way higher standard than the President of the United States? Our President is a goddamn scumbag. What about old girl who said today, you want to talk about some shit being some defending some bullshit and some stuff that there was no context to be taken out of. There was a woman, damn, I don't remember what state she represented, but there's a woman who said basically she was from Mississippi. And oh, she God. said, she said <laughs> if she was invited to a public hanging, she would be in the front row. I think I saw something about that. I saved that article didn't have a chance to read it because it popped up in my feed like 10 minutes before the show. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'll be talking about her on Saturday. But then again, I, I hate to say it. She's from Mississippi. If she said something profound, I'd be surprised. It's almost like, oh, you're from Mississippi and you're a racist? Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds about right. I'm sorry, but, you know. Like, but I mean, you're not even a comedian. Like, even the crazy part is, like, I can understand when it's literally your job to make people laugh, we all know that you're sometimes going to tell jokes in poor taste. And yes. that's the thing. Like, you can kind of be like, okay, well, you know, it was a joke or whatever, and then you can defend that person as to why it was funny or not, but you're defending a comedian. When you're a politician, that shit don't apply to you. Like, you don't get to say, well, I was just being funny or I was just trying to, you know, really sing my praises for this man because no matter what he invites me to, I'm going to be there. Like, bitch, you could have just said that. You could have just said that. You didn't have to say, I will be at a hanging. Like, that was a really specific example. Right. Exactly. I mean... You're paid to be a politician. You're not paid to tell jokes. Because if she was paid to tell jokes, she'd be broke because she's not funny. Right. Just like they say, um, just like they tell basketball players, stick to sports or stick to football. <laughs> it's the same thing. Stick to politics. Comedy's not your lane. Exactly. Put it like this, right? Donald Trump, uh, the whole Jim Acosta thing is a whole other matter altogether, right? But you figure in the space of a couple of days, Donald Trump shit on three black journalists. So he dragged on April Ryan. And this is, Women. He, he basically, he called, he called April Ryan a loser. He says, Trump on Friday disparaged White House reporter and CNN contributor April Ryan as a loser who doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Uh, on Abby Phillip, he said that, um, hold on. When Abby Phillip asked him, do you want him talking about Matthew Whitaker, the new the acting uh, attorney general, right? He says, do you want him to reign in Robert Mueller? 
uh, referring to the special counsel charged with investigating Russia's interference in the 2016 election, Donald Trump said, what a stupid question that is. He says, what a stupid question, but I watch you a lot, and you ask a lot of stupid questions. And now, then, what, now, what my sister should have hit him back with is that, thanks for watching. So do you <laughs> think you should <laughs> That's the same fucking question. <laughs> but if, if, if Tommy caught on guard, though. What you want, but at least you watching. At least you watching. Hit yeah. him with that. But I understand. She probably, you know, we sometimes we're good with the clapbacks, but when somebody says some really out-of-pocket shit to you, the clapback doesn't come immediately. So I get it. That would have been my first and last day as a, as a White House correspondent because he would have said that shit to me, you know, and – I don't know what I would have said right now, but it would it would have been something really nasty. And then that 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 goofy bitch would have came out and tried to grab my mic, and I might have just give her a little pop on the head with it. Okay, I wouldn't have done that, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, hey, don't grab the mic. Get the hell away from me, lady. Like the lady who tried to grab Jim Acosta's mic, you know. And then there was also uh, I'm don't I know I'm butchering her name. Uh, She'd be like, I got a mic you can grab, girly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yamish Alcinder. I know I I butchered her first name, and I apologize. And um, he says, he reacted similarly to a question posed at at Wednesday's press conference by PBS White House reporter uh, Yamish Alcinder. Alcinder asked him about critics who say that Trump and his Republican allies are seen as supporting white nationalists in their rhetoric. And Trump said he doubted that and then called the question racist. And he said, excuse me, but to say that, what you said is so insulting to me. It's a very terrible thing that you said. But, and they, they kind of trimmed out the part where he just basically just said, that's, that's a racist question. Like, um, ugh. you figure three black reporters in, this, in the space of a couple of days, Trump just talked down to them, you know. I don't think it's the fact that Trump doesn't like women. I don't just don't, I just don't think he just doesn't like black women. And, well, black women and Jim Acosta. <laughs> the fact that he got on April Ryan, right, was extra disgusting because April Ryan wasn't there. So it wasn't like, at least, at least with the other two, he said to their faces, April Ryan wasn't even there. And he just remembered that he hated April Ryan and called her a loser so she doesn't know what she's doing. You know, so when Trump was going off on all these reporters, what were what were Republicans doing? What were they saying? The only Republican I saw that pushed back on that was Anna Navarro, right? Other than Anna Navarro, no other Republican stepped up in defense of these women. But they're gonna but they're gonna bitch at Pete Davidson because he told a joke. The joke wasn't even that good, and I like Pete Davidson. That wasn't even a good joke. I could have wrote a better joke about what that guy looks like. So it wasn't like he, you know, disparaged his military service. Yes, we know he lost his eye in the war, you know. And, yes. Yeah, I was thinking he looked more like of the, um, what's the um, thing in um, the Marvel comics? Um, you know, the leader of um, that covert spy company. Nick Fury. <laughs> Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I look at it like this, right? If... You know the old saying, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? And 
I mean, if you're going to bitch at Pete Davidson, fine. I'm not going to defend what Pete Davidson said. I'm just saying that your president rags on people every day on Twitter, and yes, it does matter because he's the motherfucking president of the United States. So his words carry weight. Why do you think all these people were getting bombs in the mail? Because Donald Trump is constantly calling these people his enemies, and these guys are like a bunch of rabid pit bulls. Like, oh, who's that? Is that the guy who's bothering you, Donald? I'm going to get him for you. Like a bunch of dumb dogs. You know? I, I look at it like this. Michael Brooks, once again, uh, from uh, Majority Report, he says uh, he's, he's kind of mocking this whole Saturday Night Live apology. This is my bad for making fun of you losing your eye. And while I have you here, why not promote fascism and racism? <laughs> That's the thing that pissed me off. They tried to make this dude look like a human being because if you strip away his military service, he's your run-of-the-mill Tea Party scumbag. I went on his website, and I looked at his platform that he ran on, right? And I'm just going to go over this as quick as I can. I don't want to take up too much time with it, right? But he says uh, he's pro-Second Amendment. Uh, he basically did that line that I hate. Democrats who don't even understand how guns work continue to propose frivolous and ineffective gun control legislation in Congress. I don't have to know how to clean a Beretta to know that a Beretta can kill someone. I don't have to know that. Not to mention I, you're just basically perpetuating a stereotype that Democrats don't serve. Like, or don't yeah. like to hunt. Like, we can, we like, some of us like to hunt, bro. Like, some of us like to serve, but we just want responsible gun control. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? The quickest way to get shot is to think that liberals don't have guns. We just haven't replaced our guns with our dicks. You understand? We, we don't, we're not out there like, oh, I'm, I'm a macho man, so I got to go to Jamba Juice. So let me get my AR-15 so I can make it to the block. Before, uh, before Osama gets me, you know, it, it, we don't do shit like that. So that's why they think we don't have guns. We got guns. So don't get shot. It's all I'm saying. He's, um, you figure it like this. There was a story where a dog shot his owner in the back because the dog was in the back. I think it was in the back of a car and the, the rifle was in the back of the car and the dog's paw hit the trigger and shot the dude in the back, which means that this dude was, in, was riding around with a rifle without the safety on. Okay? Yeah, we, we liberals, we read our instruction manuals on our guns. Okay? You dumbass, stereotypical rednecks don't do that. Okay? So this dude is pro-life, pro-border security. He, in one of his quotes, we should not only build a wall, but also ramp up tech-savvy ways to secure our border, like drones and sensors. Really? He's all for religious liberty, which basically means, I really wish we were a theocracy. Uh, for education, he supports charter schools and thinks that government subsidies makes college unaffordable. And his whole thing with the Tenth Amendment is all wrong. The Tenth Amendment basically states that um, the federal government does not have more power than what's given to it by the Constitution. And then anything other than that is controlled by the states. It doesn't mean in what 
this guy thinks. It doesn't mean, oh, we should transfer power from the federal government to the state government. It does not mean that. It just means that the federal government's uh, powers are limited. And once you're past that limit, then it becomes up to the states. So either, I mean, I don't want to make a, a joke about his eye patch and him, and him not being able to read the Constitution correctly, but it's kind of like the, he reads the Constitution the way some people read the Bible. So I'll either a joke for you. Here you go. <laughs> and, and he had he had more. We're only we're, we're only we're only one eye. You can only see some of the words, right? Because you need two <laughs> eyes to see the full picture, right? Right. <laughs> and like I said, I, I thank him for his service and the fact that he was injured in, you know, in battle. You know, I'm not if impressed I, by that. I I served United States Navy eight years. Submarine, submarine Force Special Ops. I was a Democratic. I'm now more like an independent Democratic kind of sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pro-gun, but not pro-gun. I put pro-guns with a, a, an established agenda, like, you know, a state, an understanding that there should be certain protocols put in place to protect the whole. I don't believe, I do believe, I don't believe that mental health people, people that with mental health diagnosis should be barred from it, but certain classifications should be barred, and they should have ongoing mental health assessments. I also yeah. believe that, um, like, our cars are insured, our weapons should be insured, and we have to pay um, what they call it, registration fees and, reg- and insurance on these things just like we have to do our cars. That way yeah. when we have these um, melees at clubs and events, that, that insurance company is now held liable or they, those people can be compensated through their um, through such an insurance company. I think I promise you, we wouldn't have all this gun rhetoric if they were had to be licensed and how you say um, put insurance and had to be um, yearly updates regarding um, registration and all that. Right. I see a I see a whole different United States and one that's not violating your Second Amendment. It's not even it's not even it's not even touching it at all. It's just putting things in place because. I don't see anything in the Constitution about driving a car or having insurance on a car or having right. to get um, registration for a car. Right. You know, I mean, you figure it like this. There'd be some people, put it like this, if you have an insurance policy for your house, right, certain things would make it very expensive or even just more, you know, like even just a little bit more expensive. Like, for instance, if you have a trampoline in your backyard, right, that is a risk. Mm-hmm an unnecessary risk. If you have an in-ground pool and you don't have a fence around your house, they may not, they may not even insure you, you know? So you figure if you live in Pennsylvania, right, and you have a handgun, I could see you paying a normal rate for your, uh, for your policies. So if, they, if they decide to have a policy where you need to have liability insurance for your weapon. But if you have six AR-15s, Ain't nobody trying to insure you <laughs> because you are a horrible risk. And I think now, don't get me wrong. I do, I agree. We do need that because that would cut back on a lot of bullshit. You know, it really would because if people they're just not being held liable enough for these things. In Japan, if you have someone in your family with with a mental illness, you are not allowed to have a gun. So Newtown would never have happened. 
because if that was in Japan, because they were like, well, your son has mental issues, so you were not allowed to have guns. And Japan is an extreme case because in Japan, the only type of guns you're allowed to have is either a shotgun or an air rifle. You're not allowed to own a handgun or an assault weapon. If you fire a gun in Japan, a handgun in Japan, you can get up to 15 years in prison. So you, can, so you get charged with firing the gun, having the gun, and having the ammo. So each one of those carries up to five years in prison. So their gun laws are so strict that Yakuza doesn't even use guns. And when they do, it's like front-page news. The only reason why I caught on to that is because there was an article that caught my eye where all these Japanese businessmen were going to Hawaii and joining gun clubs to fire handguns so they could see what it's like because they can't fire handguns in Japan. And yet Japan is always top five in lowest gun deaths. And we're talking about like uh, less than 1% per 100,000. Whereas the United States hits about maybe 14, 15, which is way more than most of Europe. But then you have places like Honduras where it's like 39. You know, where it's like really up there, which is why all these people are fleeing. But one more thing before we call it, before we call it quits, that hour went kind of fast. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, uh, Andrew Gillum, right? Not about the, they're still doing a recount, but something caught my eye about, uh, why Andrew Gillum didn't win outright, right? So there's two schools of thought on it. Number one, Florida is a racist state. Now, that's not fair to call the entire state racist because they have enough racists to turn elections. <laughs> so it may not be fair. It's not fair to paint a whole state with a broad brush. But they always do tend to vote for candidates who are a little bit more racist. Now, keep one thing in mind. Uh, an initiative passed that's going to restore voting rights to over a million people, a lot of them being African Americans, and basically people who were uh, convicted of a felony, uh, once they serve their probation, they can vote again. So this initiative restored those rights. So that's a big thing. But for this election, it's not going to matter. Now, it's easy to say that Florida's a racist state because they vote for a lot of racists. They voted for Rick Scott. They voted for Jeb Bush as their previous governors. Okay? They had racist robocalls going for Andrew Gillum. Ron DeSantis, who was running against him, actually um, took money from a valid racist and, and refused to give it back. And in the debates, Andrew Gillum called him out, and he was like, I'm not saying that Ron DeSantis is a racist, but the racists think he's a racist. <laughs> so, but the other train of thought as to why Andrew Gillum didn't win outright is because uh, halfway through his election, he started to hang out with Hillary Clinton and um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Now, keep one thing in mind. During the primaries, he was running against like three other people in the primaries, and he was dead last. You know how he won his primary? Because Bernie Sanders showed up. And Bernie Sanders was like, I like the cut of your jib. I'm going to campaign with you. Right? And he went from fourth to first and won his, uh, won his primary. But then 
halfway through the election, he started hanging out with Hillary Clinton. So Hillary Clinton started campaigning. And as soon as I heard Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz campaigning for Andrew Gillum, I'm like, oh, this dude lost. And I didn't want him to lose because I like Andrew Gillum. I think he would be a great governor of Florida. But you know, they, you know what they say, you can't change horses midstream? No one likes no one likes Hillary like that. Okay, nobody. Okay, maybe not nobody, but not enough people. Like when you hear Hillary Clinton, like you know she may run again in twenty twenty, people aren't like, oh yeah, yes Hillary, yes run. They're like, no, run, run away, go, get out of here, go back to the woods, because she is political poison. She's not a good politician. So it's too early to tell if that's the reason why Gillum didn't win outright. And once this whole election mess is over, we'll get the, uh, you know, we'll get the breakdown, and we'll find out who voted and who didn't vote. I'll now, I will say, okay. I just keep hearing, um, you can't sit here, you can't sit here. I, every time I think of Hillary Clinton, that's what I hear in my head. Can't you can't sit here. <laughs> You're tired of hearing it too, but girl, like, just it's okay. Like, your husband was president. We all know that you was probably running shit in the White House anyway. Like, it's okay, girl. Like, that was your that was your thing. That was your role. You were the puppeteer. He was the puppet. That's okay. That could be a legacy too, girl. Yep. Her legacy is basically she's <laughs> she's gonna be the guy who lost to Marion Barry after Marion Barry was smoking crack. So that that's her legacy, pretty much. The woman who lost to Donald Trump, the most beatable candidate in the world. So and now we gotta see this dude not not go to ceremonies in France because of rain. Meanwhile, Ruth Bader Ginsburg broke three of her ribs and she's back to work. And she's 85 years old. So Donald Trump's a pussy. That's all there is to that. But what do you guys think? Do you guys think that if Andrew Gillum had stuck with Bernie Sanders all the way through the election, do you think he would have won outright, or do you think that's just uh, hyperbole? about the whole, like, Hillary Clinton being political poison. Say that again? Now, do you think that if Andrew Gillum had stuck with Bernie Sanders all the way through his election and didn't do the photo ops of Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, do you think that he would, do you think that he would have won outright? Or do you think that's just, that's just hyperbole, that's just uh, nonsense about... Hillary I don't believe that Hillary had any impact on him not winning outright. I do see your point, but I think if nothing else, it kind of gave him more mean women vote. I don't think I don't think it could have turned out any other way than what it turned out, no matter what had happened. Mm. I think the, I, I, the Bernie endorsement, the Bernie endorsement was big, but I just don't see anything taken away from that. We know what Florida is about. Remember, I used to live in Florida for many years. Remember, we, we lost whole counties of votes before during the Bush election at one time. You remember that, Mert? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there's nothing surprising me about 
how they want to do whatever they want to do and how they want to do it and dare anybody to challenge them. This, I guess for lack of a better word, this generation has taught us everything that we thought we knew were, were lies and falsehoods and basically intricacies of the matrix. If this, isn't, if this world we're in right now isn't so reminiscent of the matrix, I don't know what is. If you've never believed in the matrix before, you've got to believe in it now. Yeah. That we are pieces of a program. We are bits and data intricated into a program that has been infiltrated by Trojans and viruses. And how do you eliminate a Trojan or virus? You attack it. You, you eradicate it. You blockade it. You boot camp it. And that's what we need to do. And we can do it. But, guess, but like I said before, and I'm going to say it again, you ain't my homie and you ain't my friend. Not a thing. Um, <laughs> I know, I know I don't, I'm not going to say hundreds of thousands, but I know a very large population that bowed out of voting this year. And I'm not saying it would have changed anything here in North Carolina, but it might have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for the exit polls for uh, for North, not the exit polls, but but you know the results for North Carolina. Like all the people who I voted for in North Carolina won. Most well, the most important races anyway. I didn't look at all the people who I voted for. I, I know one of the judges I voted for won, and then uh, Wally Nickel won, and then whoever I voted for to go into the the, uh, the House of Representatives won for the state house. That 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 that's in my district. I didn't get a chance to check on everybody else, so. But I, I look at it like this. I won't know for sure until I see the results, you know, whether he wins or whether he loses, and then to see, you know, who voted for what. I know that in a case like this, I mean, with somebody like Hillary, I can understand why people didn't want to vote for her. And I, I guess I say that because I didn't vote for her, you know. But even if you are a progressive all the way, right, and yes, he's palling around with Hillary, but his platform hadn't changed. So some people were saying that he stopped talking about Medicare for all when he started getting with Hillary. I don't know about that. You know, I didn't watch all the debates. I don't know for sure. And I think that's the part that might have pissed people off. Is that? Well, you said Medicare for all or Medicaid. Uh, I I keep hearing. I think it's Medicare for all. I keep hearing it both ways. I know Medicare is for. Uh, the elderly, Medicaid is for low-income folks. Right. So yeah, Medicare is, yeah. I, I, right. I keep hearing, I, keep, I mostly hear Medicare for all, but, you know, I would figure it would probably be Medicaid, which is the, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, for the low-income folks and just have that for everybody, you know. But I, we'll find out for sure, but I, I will say this. If there were progressives who didn't vote, for Andrew Gillum, because he was doing those photo ops with Hillary, I'd be disappointed because his platform never changed. You understand? His platform stayed the same. So he may have been talking about different things, but it's, but it's not he erased up from his platform. He was still, as far as I know, was still going to do the things he said he was going to do. So I could, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. but if I lived in Florida, even if I saw him, you know, hugging up with Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I would have still voted for him, regardless. That wouldn't have changed Even if I seen him in a porno with both of them, I still would have voted him for him regardless. That guy, <laughs> that he went against God or whatever, he's a, he's a bozo. 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have voted against him just because of that. So I'm hoping that when those, whether he wins or whether he loses, when I see those, uh, those numbers, if I find out that that's the case, I'd be highly disappointed. So, so well, let's look at worst case scenario because no matter if even if he did literally win, he's gonna literally lose because that is America. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope it teaches people a valuable lesson. I just find that these lessons have been taught for so long. Why haven't we already learned about the importance of voting and the importance of galvanizing votes and the importance of vetting people and finding out their agendas and not throwing away votes like we might have done at times? I don't, right. These lessons have been hard bred and hard understood. And with social media and news outlets that are on social media, there's no excuse to not being able to get the information. Why is it that you are on Facebook every day but playing, but paying ignorance regarding how important your one vote might be? One right. vote. It's just like one ant cannot move, uh, let's say, a corn cob. But you get a 100 of his homies, and they moving that corn cob near the, near their nest. You know what I'm saying? Right. What was it? Have you ever seen the movie Ants? One of the most amazing, beautiful movies ever for its time. And one of the things that came out, what came out in it, it was like the grasshoppers. They they, they came to a realization that they need to get the ants in check because they were larger in numbers. They could overtake the fewer, the much fewer grasshoppers. And he spoke. The leader spoke on that. His little evil ass. Watch that shit and see if it doesn't remind you of Trump in a way. And, um, <laughs> and eventually the ants did take over. Now, when, when are we as ants going to do what we need to do? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I will say this before we wrap it up. The people of Georgia, all the people who voted in the election, you know, for Stacey Abrams, I am proud of each and every one of you because I will say this. All you saw on Facebook for like a year was how Brian Kemp – basically rigged the election in his favor. The fact that he's the, uh, you know, Secretary of State who's in charge of the election and in the election is ridiculous on its face, okay? That he'd been purging, uh, I don't know how long he was Attorney General. I mean, I'm sorry, Secretary of State. But they've been purging voters since 2012, okay? So they've been planning this for a long time. And the fact that, they are still counting votes. There's still a runoff because a lot of people, they, they heard the call. They probably saw somebody make a post on Facebook that said, hey, listen, if you go to your polling place and you are first from the rolls, get your provisional ballot. Now, I will say this. A lot of times provisional ballots, I'm not going to say that they don't matter. So if you have a race like, uh, oh, like, like Ben Jealous, right, where you're losing by 12 points, or by nine points, those provisional ballots that come in are probably not going to sway the election. But if you're only down by 60,000 votes, then, yeah, those provisional ballots can swing the election. Okay? So if you ever go to your polling place, and let's just say you don't have time to uh, re-register, ask for a provisional ballot. They cannot deny you that. You know, and I have to keep my promise because voter ID law passed in North Carolina. So I, was, I said I'm going to have my ID tattooed on my ass so that when I go to vote and they're like, I need to see your ID. So I'm like, hold on a second, ma'am. <laughs> and just moon her and like, here's my ID. 
you blue-haired bitch. Get my goddamn ballot so I can vote. Fuck off me, man. I'm going to vote. <laughs> that security's dragging me away from mooning some old lady because I went and had my, my ID tattooed on my ass. But, but what I don't understand is how that even passed because there was a very prominent campaign that said vote no against all six amendments. This was the most prominent message I heard during this election. Yeah. So you figure the problem, I knew voter ID was going to pass for one reason. People don't get it. So people are on this whole thing about, well, you need your ID to do this. You need your ID to do that. I'm like, yeah, but that's you. Okay? If you're and a student. Like, well, dang, all the information you're asking me, you basically getting my ID, my birth date, my, my, my address. Nobody knows my birthday and my address, per se, you know, except maybe my mom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When I moved to North Carolina, uh, when I registered to vote in North Carolina, the first time I went to vote, so we're talking about 12 years ago, first time I went to vote, they asked for my ID. So they didn't even need, like, my ID. They just needed something that had my, just something that had my picture on it and, and something that had my current address on it, right? Mm-hmm. So I had a, a utility bill with my address on it, and I had my old ID. So once they looked at that, I was good. So for 12 years, every time I vote, they've never asked my ID. So even if I move to a new district, right? So when I move from Raleigh to Cary, they never asked my ID because I'm in the system. So the thing about the voter ID law is that they never even asked, hey, which IDs are going to be valid? They didn't even get to that part. But some people are just like, well, you need your ID. All right, brother, how are you? But they don't, I think they just don't nah. get the. Nah, nah, not tonight. I'll never buy the ID this late. <laughs> they, they just never, they just don't get the racial connotations behind or the political connotations behind the voter ID law. They just figure, oh, well, you need your ID, you need your driver's license, so uh, why, not need, why not need it to vote? But you figure some of the other amendments, like the one trying to shift power from the governor to the to the legislature, that lost big. Like they voted that down bad, you know. I I was just thinking, like when I was at Fayetteville State, I only lived an hour away. So like for me, I absolutely had no problems going home on election day. Like I didn't Yo, Cheeto, give me the I didn't exercise early voting, voting right privileges. now. Yo. Oh, no, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill your ass, nigga. Oh, no, what are you going to do? You're killing me. Ah. <laughs> oh, shit, we got that nigga. Ah, <laughs> cops in the ditch. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, I think we're on the air, dude. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All I'm saying is, like I said, Fayetteville State, I was an hour away. I had no problem going to vote on Election Day. But, but I couldn't imagine putting 1,200 Murchison Road on my state ID, which was only applicable, you know, two semesters out of the year, not during the summertime, not, like, or really even my P.O. box, because, like, that, I didn't get any mail at Murchison Road. My mail went to my P.O. box. So how the fuck is that supposed to work when you're a college student? But, like, if I I lived in California or something like that, certainly I'm not going to hop a plane to go vote early. Right. I guess the expectation for people to do absentee ballots, is the expectation for them to do, like, what is the expectation? Well, for most states, they allow you to vote in the place where you live. So if you're from New York and you go, I'm just making this up, and you go to Pennsylvania, right, 
you're allowed to vote in the Pennsylvania. You can't vote in both elections. But if you're in Pennsylvania and you're voting for president, you can vote in Pennsylvania. You don't have to go back to New York and vote. But some well, states. If I'm not a resident, you understand? Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like. But they but they they'll make that provision for college students. You just can't vote twice. So in other words, you can't vote in Pennsylvania and then go back to New York and vote again. But if you're in Pennsylvania and you're a college student and you live on campus, right, you are allowed to vote in that state. You know, I, I, I use this example a lot, but there was a, a mother and daughter. The daughter went away to college. She asked the mother to do a uh, absentee ballot for her, right, because she was out of state. And then she found out, oh, I'm allowed to vote here on, on my college campus. So she voted on campus, but she forgot to tell her mom, hey, don't put in that, uh, that absentee ballot for me because I voted here in this, you know, where I'm going to college. And, um, but the mother did, and then she ended up having to pay a fine you know, for putting that, that ballot for her daughter because she already voted in another state. So for college kids, they have that provision, but some states don't do that because they know that a lot of college kids, especially out-of-towners, end up voting Democrat. So that's why they make that a hassle. You understand? So it's not about, you know, the whole voter ID thing is to, because they know that uh, some minorities don't have IDs. A lot of elderly folks don't have IDs. So a lot for a lot of elderly folks, their ID is their driver's license. So when you get too old to drive and it expires, you don't have an ID. You know? And then, of course, uh, uh, college students, if you're out of state. North Carolina is a big college state. You know, NC State, uh, Duke, uh, Wake Forest, stuff like that. So it, it's all, uh, you know, I knew it was going to pass because a lot of people just didn't understand the racial connotations of it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So, before we wrap up, what are your final thoughts? Well, it's too late to say vote. Let me come back. Come back to me. All right. Odie, what are your final thoughts? My final thoughts, don't give up hope, Andrew Gillum. Don't give up hope, Stacey Abrams. Um, just count every vote. And the harder they fight, you fight a little harder to get every vote counted. Yep, exactly. Well, like what about that. that? That's a good one. That's a good one. Let me, let me, that's almost like we piggybacking because we pretty much have the same unified message, you know what I'm saying? Just yep. in different ways. I was saying... Be more focused in your efforts on this planet. Everything you do has some impact. One of my favorite movies is called The Butterfly Effect, and that a ripple in a pond can cause a tsunami in Japan. And just to be mindful that whatever you do on this earth impacts something or someone other than yourself as well. Reduce your, um, your carbon imprint, you know what I'm saying? Try to use less trash. And try to be more mindful of the trash that you are putting into this world. This, this planet is not as young and beautiful as it used to be. And it's American consumerism, as well as other um, nations that are contributing to it. 
and I want I want this to be here for my grands and my great grands and my grands after that. I don't want it to look like one of my favorite movies by um, <laughs> Harrison Ford. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, with an arc. <laughs> Uh, and I think if we just be more mindful, it's just like we're greedy and we're not really thinking about the big picture, you know what I'm saying? Educate, continue to educate, continue to grow in education, continue to learn and move yourself to know more about what's going on. Take 30 minutes of your day to read a news article or read a series of news blurbs or whatever. Get an aggregator that breaks it down for you. That way you know what's the one's most pertinent to you. Google, Google News is a wonderful resource probably your best resource, especially if you have a Gmail account, even if you didn't. But, yeah, something like that. The more you know, the better you can do. And, unfortunately, what I find is that we know a lot, but we're not doing enough. Yeah. Ignorance is not bliss, and it's not excusable anymore. Well said. Well said. I, I, I will say this. I'll, I'll keep it short, but... Uh, I know there are some elections that are still going on, but after those elections are over, let's give it a couple of months before we start talking about 2020, okay? Let's just have a couple of months to just decompress from politics. I know that's weird because I have a political show, you know, but let's just decompress for so a bit. Are you bit. taking another month off? What are you saying? No, 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 no. I'm not taking any more time off. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying that a lot of people who – enjoy Facebook because they want to see their, their friends' kids' Halloween costumes and they've been had jackasses like me just posting articles, you know, every lunch break I'm posting like 12 articles about Donald Trump or about some other shenanigans. And let's just kind of, you know, let's give it a rest for a couple of months before we have and to go I back into... And I move that we talk... Sorry, oh, go ahead. cut you off. No, no, you're good. And I move that we talk more about stuff that actually impacts us. The three of us actually do stay in North Carolina being abreast of what's going on and galvanizing movements to cater more to what our needs are in this community and the needs of our, our people. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then keeping in touch with our local politicians, you know, letting them know how we yeah. feel. Cause some yeah. of them can be, a, cause some of them can be a bit out of touch. So those phone calls and, and those I, emails, they yeah, matter. Exactly. Those, those, they do matter. I've actually written letters to them regarding like certain cases I might've had regarding clients trying to get disability or having a hard time. And they might have didn't write it themselves. They might have had their assistant or their assistant's assistants or yeah. might have had a generic thing, which they could fill in a couple of things that actually catered to what I was talking about to make it look like it was genuinely addressing my certain issue. So if nothing else, it's a good thing to put up in our office <laughs> to remind us of what we did try to do, right? Right. Exactly. So. But all right, Blue, uh, play us off. All right. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politrix with Mercer Prescott and his eclectic cronies and 360 Degrees. And we're thinking about bringing back the hit show, award-nominated podcast show, He Said, She Said. It's just a matter of getting all people back on the same page, which is harder in this day and time because we are, we're busy people. We're, we're students. We're parents. We're full-time workers, we're entrepreneurs, and yeah, so we'll, we'll figure it out. So please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast, available on all streaming apps, with the exception of iHeartRadio, which I'm not even going to mention again. I'm just going to say multiple. All right. <laughs> 
Like heaven 